Hello, everyone. Uh, so welcome to our first episode uh, to our uh, Leadership in IT podcast. So as uh, consultants in Codurance, obviously, we deal with a lot of code. Uh, but we know that for more challenging projects like modernization, cloud migration, or general IT transformation, technical mastery may not be enough. And this is where um, vision, mission, and strategy for a project comes in. Obviously, along with that um, comes the necessity of specific leadership traits. And this is what we are going to be talking about um, with my colleague, Hi everyone. So, yep, I'm Simon Shaw and I work as a regional director here at Codurance. So I work across our Manchester and Leeds office. My name is Mac. I'm a principal uh, software craftsperson at Codurance. So, uh, Simon, so how simple should be the why for a project? I think really as, uh, as simple as possible, really. I mean, I think it's an interesting one, this. I think, you know, ideally, you know, you want it to be ambitious and visionary and something that people can really engage with um, on quite a deep, deep level. So I think there needs to be an impact to the vision. And yet, I think it needs to be something that people can, you know, digest and understand. So I, I think there's a there's a balance as ever to strike here. But I think something, something that people can kind of understand and relate to, and once they've heard it, I guess, you know, almost an acid test is, could someone then explain it someone else so that that'd be my my take how about you mac yeah i think it's um it's more art than science i guess because mm -hmm. as you mentioned finding that um fine balance i guess between the vision and mission being concise enough that you can do let's say a typical elevator pitch right uh, as well so that you have one minute to uh present what you're doing where are you aiming at what you're aiming for Mm -hmm. uh, but also holding enough substance as well so that it's not too generic, right? So that you're doing something specific. And, okay, uh, we know it's it's quite clear, although it's quite concise, it's quite clear why are we going for this cloud migration? Why are we going for the software modernization project? There is this technical as well as the business vision in it as well, right? So... Um, so, for example, um, in my case, uh, what I try to aim for is to go, for, let's say, for a single slider, right? So I'm a, like a very visual person. So I like to start with some visuals, then move them around, let's say, and then eventually, obviously, talking with my uh, team colleagues, uh, with my uh, stakeholders as well. I start with this like more like visual exercise and combining various things. And at some point, there's like a click. I get a good feedback on them. And then there's like one slider, let's say. I'm not sure what's your... Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I think ideally, you need something that is fairly fairly simple and quick to, to convey and communicate. I think that's important. I think if you're having to spend too long articulating and describing the vision in too many words, I think that that's going to perhaps kind of lose something. So I think that's... That's an inherent part of vision, isn't it? It it is a visual thing. I think you know there's there's something in that in that word vision, isn't there? I guess one one thing that is interesting here is how important it is to be a realistic vision. I mean, I've always thought that a, a strong vision should inspire people and, and and motivate them. 
and and yet how do you how do you strike that balance between people going away feeling inspired and motivated and engaged and yet thinking this is realistic for my organization my team the project i'm about to join that kind of stuff so yeah how do you think you can strike that balance between something really inspirational and yet something that people feel is achievable so I think I'm going to look at it from this perspective. I guess, and this is why I believe it should be a collaborative exercise. Uh, because if, okay, you know, I'm the team leads, you know, I'll figure this stuff out. Like you guys take care of the tickets and the code. It's like, I'll figure out the vision and mission. Well, I don't believe that, uh, you know, it's a fruitful exercise in the end because um, it will be a very narrow vision and it may be detached from the reality, from the context of the organizational context, from roadmap of the business, mm -hmm. also um, from the technical capabilities of your team and the organization as well, right? So um, I'll be very uh, cautious of doing it this way. Um, and to be honest, I did it this way and uh, I failed actually. And I learned the hard way that you need to do it ideally in a collaborative way. And again, there is a fine balance here as well. As a team lead, you need to make some hard decisions as well. But getting that feedback from down the chain of command, so from your team members, like other people at that level, let's say maybe some architects as well, and directly from your stakeholders and even C-level people get some feedback and uh, get some insight as well. Uh, so that's, you know, that mission and vision can be as comprehensive and as let's say, uh, built for measure for the existing context. The yeah. So yeah. collaboration, I guess, with um, decisiveness in specific moments as well, is the key, let's say. That's I think that's right. I think there has to be common ownership, hasn't there? I think a vision that's just presented top down, okay, everybody, this is what we've decided we're going to do. Now go ahead and, and execute and do. I, I think that's that's likely to fail. And certainly... You know, in my experience, you know, I can talk about a bit of a, a failure here as well. You know, I've been involved when I was working for a, a product-based company where it was very much a top-down vision. And for various reasons, there wasn't full buy-in from, you know, across the rest of the organization and from the teams that would be delivering against that vision. And, you know, eventually we got that back on track and we did get that buy-in and ownership, but it took quite a while to achieve that. And we went through a a period where there wasn't that common ownership mm -hmm. and that joint understanding. And therefore, I think you you can't really execute on a vision, you know, without the team understanding, buying in, as we were as we talked about a few minutes ago, feeling motivated. And yeah, so I think there's definitely a point here around ownership. And one thing you've you've said there a couple of times, which I think is really worth spending a you know a little bit of time on here is it's about metrics and and measuring because I, I, you know, I talked around something, you know, visionary and inspirational. I think that's important, but, but equally, you're right that there has to be a means. I would think of being able to track progress towards that, that vision. So, have you found that that's an important thing to do quite early on in the journey here to define some metrics so that there is a visible means, you know, a tangible means of assessing progress i definitely found out the hard way that if you do it too late you'll have a lot of problems yeah. actually so yeah. i guess um 
as early as possible. Again, that's a that's a I guess balance to strike here as well because early on it would be quite hard to have had that crisp, clear um, notion and view of what those metrics should be. Obviously, you'll be talking to uh, your stakeholders, to the architects, and um, all the software senior engineers, and so you'll get a sense of what are the um, uh, you know the SDLC impediments. Is the lead time too long? Are there many two bugs being introduced? Are the bugs being addressed um, for way too long? For example, right? Mm -hmm. So. Um, uh, all those things uh, you need to figure out as early as possible, and it will give you some idea of what you should be aiming at, which usually is in a spectrum of like cost optimization, and the other side of the spectrum is the business agility. And usually what we'll be aiming at is somewhere between that spectrum. Mm -hmm. I didn't uh, ever work on a project or let a project that was specifically focused 100% on cost optimization or focus 100% on business agility. It's usually somewhere in between as well yep. so but striving for that um as as early as possible i think is key um so yeah so we covered quite a few things right so there's a balance between like how much content like how should big should be division should be one slide couple of slides uh also like how tangible should be the vision obviously it has to be um Visionary, obviously, mm -hmm. but also achievable. And also, the third thing is a balance between, again, that uh, let's try to improve things, but also need to uh, make sure that there are some e metrics that we can be showing to the business that actually we are progressing and it's will it's bringing a certain value. Then, is there anything else we missed? Possibly, no. I think that, I think it's a good sum up of what we've discussed so far. Sounds good. Okay, so in terms of um, maybe like uh, leadership qualities as well, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, how would you see um, that happening, obviously? Because um, would you see a one team lead who is you know, has those leadership traits, he's very visionary, he's a, you know, has technical mastery, or it would be fine that it's, it's, um, it's a shared responsibility because... Um, Everyone in the team has some leadership traits and in collaboration, they are pushing for that. Or always there has to be this one person as this like internal engine of that driving the mission and vision. Yeah. I think perhaps not necessarily one one person. So I think there's there's a strong element here where you know there's always a leadership team or an executive team in an organization. So if we assume that it's that team that has, in the first place, kind of created and articulated the vision for for the organization or for a, a transformation program or, or a project, perhaps. I think there's a very strong um, argument here that that team, or it may be an individual, but I, I kind of would, would like to think of it as a, as a leadership team, needs to really collectively, they need to act as role models and to display you know, the correct behaviors and to be authentic. And I know this is a bit of a cliche, but really to, to walk the talk here. So having set out what the vision is and engaged with the rest of the organization to validate that, that vision, I think there's a very strong argument that that team, or perhaps it is an individual, will continue to 
you know, bang the drum and display all the correct values to make a contribution to to land that vision. Having said that, I think um, you know leadership can and should be displayed at all levels of an organisation. It's not about a hierarchy here, or about people having certain job titles. So, I think the best instances where organisations, you know, achieve something quite transformational is where there is kind of common and joint ownership and people really kind of buy in. So um, that would be my take. It's not so much looking to one individual to display, you know, all the leadership qualities that are going to be required here. I think there is a shared, you know, a shared responsibility. Having said that, I genuinely think for something to be transformational, there is um, a space or in fact, not so much a space. I think there is a a real kind of need for the leadership team to to kind of display those kind of role model type qualities. But that, mm-hmm. that's that, that's my take. And that's my experience. I, I wonder where you are on that one. Uh, so um, I think, from my perspective, I would say that usually in most of the cases there is that one person that is like the driving force, and it's quite clear. Not always, but in most of the cases from. Um, my experience and my projects, it's all usually that um, one person that is the, the, the driving force. Obviously, there may be many people having those leadership qualities as well. But in the end, like I guess this is the way you think. In the end, we look up to this one person to make some decisions. So obviously, as a team lead, you need to allow uh, your members to have the discussion so they feel they are involved, they are um parts of that mission and vision they are creating that mission and vision but like from my experience like they're always looking at you it's like is going is is he she going to make uh, the decision finally no yeah. okay we're going to talk more because we can talk for days about that but in the end they'll be looking at you if you're the if you're the lead to make some decisions so this is something what i mentioned previously it's that it's a collaborative exercise but this one person who is the, the driving force, okay, this is enough of discussion. This is what I think it is. Is it is it is it correct? Yes. Okay, let's go for it. No. Okay, let's have a bit more discussion. But like that's what I found is like your team members are looking at you to make those key decisions, those milestones as the mission. Yeah, the I think that's right. I think that's right, Mac. And and I think ultimately, change does start at the top, and I think people expect and in a sense probably should demand that that the change starts at the top and is authentic and is you know consistent i guess what one thing which again i found is 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 important uh in in my in my experience here is having a, a culture uh you know a psychologically safe culture so you know is there an appetite is there a culture for for experimentation for the learning from from mistakes and you know embracing to a degree um you perhaps not always delivering exactly what you said you would do how you said you would do it by by certain dates so you know having a, a culture of learning quickly uh, experimenting and without blaming so that you know you can stay take some stepping stones towards achieving your vision um whilst acknowledging this isn't a straight line it's a bit more of a, a squiggly line and there will be peaks and troughs. And I think it, that's important too, from a leadership perspective. Do you accept and embrace that 
things will happen in the way that you perhaps don't anticipate them? Mm-hmm. And is there a culture of, yes, learning from that, you know, that kind of feedback feedback loop. Yeah. So I think that's the other aspect here of of leadership, creating that that kind of culture. Yes, thanks for mentioning that because uh, this is, I think, relates to what we uh, mentioned at the beginning that it's literally impossible to figure out that mission vision like straight away. It's it's an iterative process, and the best way to go about it is to experiment right along the way. Because from my experience, it takes well, let's say, a good couple of sprints to chisel out even the initial draft of that mission and vision. Right, so they'll keep working. But also that experimentation along the way allows for the creation of that mission and vision. Otherwise, it would be just some fairy tale. That, that's from my experience in the end. The, and some promises that, well, as a team leader, let's say you're a team for the first time and you want to impress your, you know, uh, your manager. And it's like you come up with a, in a week, that's the mission and vision. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's very excited. But. Along the way, it just doesn't work. It's a fairy tale. It's it has no metrics. It's like yeah. we didn't plan like how to measure this thing. Uh, it's it's completely unreasonable in terms of um, achieving those those things, right? So again, collaboration and allowing for that experimentation and iteratively, uh, yeah, we should have uh, that that diamond in our hands, hopefully. So yeah. I think that's right. And one aspect of this, which I think is also maybe sometimes overlooked, is let's assume that you know you've been able to, or the organization has been able to create that vision. Maybe it's just on a slide or two, it's something very visual, and it's something visionary and aspirational and that people engage. But I also think it's probably unrealistic that everybody in the organization or perhaps a team let's say it's a project or a program team, will immediately buy into that vision straight away. I think there will always be some skeptics. And in fact, that's that's probably quite a healthy thing. So I wondered if you'd had any experience around almost looking for ambassadors. So uh, on the basis that, yes, not everybody will immediately completely buy into a vision, particularly if it's something really transformational and really quite different from from the status quo, yeah, you know, looking for ambassadors, looking for other people, other change advocates, I guess you could call them, that can, together with perhaps the leader or the leadership team, begin to set the right tone and begin to change the culture and change behaviours. And mm-hmm. then you would hope that in time, the number of advocates and ambassadors grows and that eventually do have most, if not necessarily absolutely everybody, on board in you know in terms of delivering that vision so have you had any experience or success there you know looking for those change advocates those ambassadors so it's a very interesting point uh when we bring on the table the types of projects we are dealing with as as coherence consultants which is mostly software modernization cloud migration or generally some kind of transformation um obviously you also have those greenfield product development projects but it's usually quite obvious there's usually a very well-rounded set of acceptance criteria the business knows what they want what's the next big thing let's say um and it's far easier let's say brownfield project as well it's a well-established project it's usually about maintaining a legacy system Mm -hmm. and meeting your slas i guess that's kind of 
the general mission and vision. And you don't need to be you don't need to be visionary, let's say, to be um, success, successfully leading that kind of a project. But when it comes to modernization and cloud migration, so something like deeply transformational, yes, you need you have a lot of work on your hands. First of all, when it comes to figuring out that mission and vision, but also um, how to share it, how to uh, communicate it, and how to get the rest of the organization on your side. So from my experience, and I guess I'm still figuring that out because I don't think there is a single answer to that. But uh, I guess a set of things that you could be doing, starting small, which is during your sprint demos, always, always be presenting at the beginning, ideally, that mission, that one or two slides to your stakeholder, your stakeholders, uh, so that they are always reminded, what are you trying to achieve? Where are you going? And obviously, they're giving you fresh feedback every week or every two weeks, because that will be changing for sure. You have to keep that in mind. Yeah. Nothing is usually set in stone. There are always some tweaks and changes mm -hmm. as well. Uh, besides that, uh, you have some other tools um, uh, in your toolbox. For example, you can, um, once you get going a bit, uh, you have some deliverables which are aligned with that mission and vision. Uh, obviously, you can have uh, proper showcases like on a more organizational level, not only to the direct stakeholder, but to other people who not yet know about it, right? And get their feedback and hopefully get their buy-in as well. Um, the other thing is try to work with lower level and do, for example, like communities of practice where uh, you create discussion groups, workshops around the subjects with um, these principles, those uh, in mind as well. And that, that's a great thing in terms of getting feedback as well, because outside mm -hmm. of your core team from other parts of the organization, you get um, you get feedback around uh, that mission and vision that you're uh, that you just set up. Um, so yeah, I guess it's constant communication, constant trying to get feedback, constant alignment, and being aware that nothing is set in stone and being prepared to be flexible in that area and alter some of the pieces of that. Thing. Yeah. What about yourself, Simon? Yeah, no, sorry, Mike. I think that's right. And, and something you said that really resonates with me, and it's something that I've probably underestimated, you know, perhaps earlier in my career as well, is how much you need to communicate and how consistent you need to be. I read something recently which resonated with me, which is that, you know, in terms of communicating a vision, you probably need to communicate three times as much as you plan to. And if you do that, that's about one third of the total kind of communications exercise that you actually need to put in place. So I think you're right that, you know, really kind of think carefully about how you're going to communicate. So I think there's various channels, as you've mentioned, and we can perhaps talk about some of those. Um, and the kind of need to do that on a really consistent basis and i guess people will tell you if if they think that you know you're communicating too much but in my experience it's probably been the other way and i've either uh, not communicated enough myself or i've seen kind of leadership teams not communicate enough and then you lose that alignment that word that you mentioned there is is super important here isn't it once people are misaligned with that vision it's then quite difficult to get people back back on track uh, just something, if I can add to that, what um, I observed 
from my experience, is that it may take a while before you get any feedback, to be honest. Because it may take a while for the message to sink in a bit. So a couple of those demos, a couple of times presenting that mission mm -hmm. vision. And, and don't be discouraged, right? You have to be persistent. That's another um, key um, part of like uh, having that mission vision. You need to be persistent, especially at the early stages. Because um, from my experience, it takes a while before you get proper feedback or like even any feedback because like people need to process that it's usually something i'm talking like about migration software modernization transformation it's it, these are like subjects and ideas and topics that never came to these people's heads usually mm -hmm. let's say and they need to have some time to process that um and how would that merge nicely with the existing ways of working or how would that transition be so give them a bit of time a bit of room let's say to breathe as well and process that information so this is from my experience one thing i can add as well to be persistent that's absolutely right i think it, it will take some time for some people to give some feedback and that's absolutely fine and acceptable but also something you touched on there is is really important here and that's having different different ways of providing feedback and different ways of, of communicating so i think some people will be happy and comfortable giving feedback in a stand-up, as, as you said, with all sorts of um, ceremonies and, and meetings, other people would feel more comfortable giving feedback in a community of practice type setting. And for others, perhaps it's more one-to-one. -one. That's the kind of mechanism that would work for them. Other people, they want to perhaps just give feedback in a different format altogether. So perhaps they want to provide feedback in the form of a survey or a questionnaire or at least in, in some form of writing. And, and, and that's how they feel comfortable. And I think all that is is fine. However, that feedback is uh, is received. Uh, it's all welcome, genuinely, and you know, accept that as you said, perhaps there won't be an immediate feedback loop. It, feedback loop. You know, it will take some time, um, and as you said, be patient, but also don't lose heart and and don't think that you know that's that's the time to stop communicating. If anything, I think that's the time to almost ramp up the communication so that. The key messages are continuing to land mm -hmm. or even uh maybe at some point try to present it from a maybe different angle maybe uh so if you if you come up with that initial version um and it doesn't bring in that feedback that you're like striving for maybe try to present it from a different angle as well so maybe a couple of versions of that as well i guess it'll be a different version that should be presented to like a CTO compared to like a community of practice of engineers as well. Correct. So yep. the having various versions of that uh, in terms of like level of granularity and detail, depending on the place where are you trying to present it. So, yep. so I guess uh, maybe for the final parts of our uh, first episodes, um, maybe let's uh, now ask a question like, what do you think are the consequences of not asking the why? This is a, you know, a really important aspect here, isn't it? I think not asking why risks right from the outset, people not doing all the things that we talked about initially. So not really buying into this, not feeling motivated and critically, perhaps just not feeling aligned at all. So, you know, I think there are some of the consequences of, of, uh, of not asking why, and then what, what could that result in? Well, you know, I guess there's a range of things here, really, but I guess ultimately, 
the, the, the kind of fundamental impact here may be that you just don't make anywhere near the impact or you don't make the strides towards achieving that vision at all. So perhaps the team goes off in a in quite a different direction because they just haven't fundam- fundamentally understood why we're doing this. And I think that will be quite easy to do if you if that why hasn't been addressed and and understood. And there's probably something here about focus, isn't there? I think <clears throat> for this kind of, you know, to achieve anything certainly transformational, it's difficult and it needs to be a sustained effort and an aligned effort over probably quite a long period of time. So if the team doesn't have that that focus on that 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 North Star, say, because the why hasn't been understood. It's not about not working hard or or anything like that or not being motivated, but it, it's there's a risk, I would say, around perhaps just not having that focus on achieving that that endpoint. Um mm-hmm. so I think that would be the consequence. But yeah, what what do you think on that one? Yeah, very interesting. You mentioned about um like what you deliver may not be um, up to the standard that your stakeholders are expecting, but I think that's the best case scenario, right? So you did deliver, it's what they asked for, the quality is just not there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is just you deliver something completely different, right? Or something that um, you know, they didn't expect because you didn't align with them early enough and often enough throughout the process, right? You just did what you think is right based on your experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, and basically, uh, which brings in another thing from my experience that uh, might start to um, like come into the picture, which is something called like feature creep, right? So even trying, uh, because there is no clear vision, there are, again, you allow for experimentation, yeah, that's fine, but not you're not trying to bring it all together was the mission vision like like overarching um and you get a lot of those various um threads let's say that were started but in the end are, are not in line with that mission and vision in the end right so um the so-called feature creep yes in my experience that that's um that's a th- threat definitely yeah no i think that's right that, i guess that's the other aspect of of maybe not having 100% focus and alignment on that vision, isn't it? Really, that it's then difficult for, for perhaps for a team to to understand when that feature creep is, is taking taking place and, and taking hold and saying, "Hey, hang on a minute, you know, if we go down that path, remember, we're not really going to be, we're not really going to achieve the vision, perhaps that that we set out to at the start of this." So, I think, yeah, without that fundamental understanding of of why we're doing this. Um, I can see how that can creep in, and, and I've experienced that, mm-hmm. and I guess you have, and, and lots of other people have as well. And also, you you touched on something there as well that perhaps you know, unless there is that understanding of why, perhaps at the outset you're not going to get that feedback, that initial feedback from the team, which may help to shape the vision based on their experience and the fact that they're perhaps a little bit closer to the ground, closer to the operational side of things. So without really trying to engage on on the why you perhaps do potentially miss out on some rich feedback at the outset which could really make quite a significant difference in terms of your vision and how you articulate that Mm -hmm. exactly and um definitely from my experience um if that 
overarching mission and vision is like. And also, as all the engineers, we are engineers and we love to code. We love to create awesome things in the state-of-the-art way. And um, if that uh, mission and vision does not contain that business aspect, again, you may create something amazing, state-of-the-art, latest technologies. Everything is perfectly test-automated. There's DevOps automation. But it just doesn't do what it's supposed to do for the business, right? So you created yep. something amazing technically, but it's useless, right? And that's um, uh, that, that, that's a strategy, I would say. Yes, way. I agree. And, and I guess the other angle here, or one other angle is, you know, projects and programs, they can be difficult and they can be long running. And, and so, you know, surely people need to feel that there is a, you know, a meaning and a purpose to their work to stay motivated, you know, right throughout. Like, you know, I guess let's be honest here, that that can be difficult to maintain over, as I said, a long period of time. But I think understanding the why can give you that that meaning and, and bring that purpose to your work and can hopefully help help a team stay, you know, fully focused and motivated throughout the duration of the project, because there's always ups and downs, isn't there? You know, these things don't go in straight lines. And I, again, I think having an appreciation of why we're doing this supports that um, that purpose and having that sense of purpose throughout mm-hmm. the project, which I think is really, really important. I think that's what people generally come to work for, to feel like they have an opportunity to add some value or to change something or to have an impact. So I think you touched on a very important subject, which is, uh, you know, as a team lead, you need to take care of your team's morale and well-being. And uh, I, the thing that you can do uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, there is the morale is low and well-being is also low is to not take care and um, uh, create that mission vision along with your team members initially and then iteratively as well throughout yep. the, the project cycle, basically. So. Um, uh, in the end, like whatever they'll be doing, they'll be always questioning, why am I doing this? And if there is that clear why, you know, because we want to modernize so that the business can release faster so that, the you know, our updates are getting, you know, in a couple of minutes, a matter of minutes to our clients instead of days, uh, and also give us an edge in terms of our competitors. So, um, it's, it's much more meaningful and, um, I guess people are just more productive as well, right? If they see that, if there's just you need to just make sure you you um, complete your ticket, um, that kind of vision. Well, it's it's a quite sad place to be honest. I think that's right. Yeah, and I guess ultimately, what what would be a, a you know a good measure of success here is, you know, if the team is almost playing back the why to themselves and reminding themselves of that rather than you know, a leader or, you know, a leadership team feeling that they need to step in and remind everybody, you know, the reverse would be great is if without that happening, you know, the team themselves are reminding themselves and their colleagues perhaps outside their team as to why they're doing something. Because then I think you've, you've, you've got people bought in. They're able to explain the why themselves rather than, you know, someone reminding them. It's like a perfect situation for a, for a team lead as well. I I can imagine because, Obviously, there are deadlines and, you know, uh, the stakeholders are asking when it's going to be finished. So sometimes the, you know, the team lead may be pushing a bit some of the things to go faster. 
as like a ideal situation where your team actually comes back to you. Well, you know, we came up with this mission and vision together and like with your leadership. Now, now you're trying to, uh, you know, make us forget about this part of the vision, this part of the vision because of some deadlines. But come on, it's like, yeah. it's like this is like the perfect situation I guess yeah. you would like to be in. Precisely. Yeah, I think that's a great that's a great conversation. It might be difficult for someone to be on the receiving end of it, but I think that's a really that's a really good position to be in, isn't it? The team are, are, are you know, you've achieved ownership, I think, by that stage. Great, great. Awesome. So, um, Simon, just to uh, sum up, um, any final thoughts? It's a good reminder for for me this this conversation of the importance of investing in articulating the, the why at the outset. Which I think can be um, that can be a you know, a challenging thing to do in a in a concise way, but I think the effort pays off. You know, the effort that you pay up front in creating that vision, as we said, in a quite a simple format, but also something that is truly visionary that that people hopefully buy into. That effort up front, I think, can pay off throughout the duration of of the project or, or the change, and I think. Uh, the flip side of that is by not putting that effort in initially, then you risk all sorts of challenges around misalignments and features, feature creep, those things we talked about, Mike. So for me, it's it's been a good reminder of the value of investing that time you know, at the outset, but also then consistently communicating the why, you know, throughout the change is uh, is really important. Oh, yeah, I think that's a perfect summary, Simon. I can only uh, underline for myself being persistent. Persistence is the key. Figuring out the mission and vision is one thing, but then being persistent and communicating that, aligning on that is also as equally important. So this is the end of our mission vision um, uh, discussions. So we'll continue next time, mostly around like communication aspects. So how to effectively communicate down the chain of commands and up the chain of commands. So we'll delve a bit into that area. But for now, thanks a lot, Simon. Thank you. Look forward Thanks. to it next time. Bye-bye.